G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Hello and welcome to another edition of Leading the Way. Here's Dr. Yusuf with a message he's called The Secret of Blessings. In the past few decades, many a church have come to define praise and worship as merely and only as music and singing and in some places being entertained. But this understanding is far, far from the biblical definition of praise and worship. Please don't misunderstand me. Singing and praising God in a song, it's very powerful and is an essential part of worship. Somehow the devil managed to get Christians sideways on this issue and to focus on the style of singing rather than the substance of worship. Focus on the form of music rather than the heart of worship. And That is why today so many people think that if they have the right kind of music, they have worship, or if they have the right kind of praise band, they have worship. Please hear me right again. I am one of those people who are immensely grateful for godly musicians and godly singers and godly song leaders. I am immensely grateful to the Lord. But worship is far, far, far bigger and greater than just music and singing. The word worship comes from the Latin word, which means worth-ship. Worth-ship. Can you say that with me? Worth-ship. That's the origin of the word. And in Bible times, the worth of a coin is in its weight. Its worth is in the weight of whatever it is, if it's gold or silver. You weigh it, and that's the value of the coin. And that is why they talk about a coin when it is mint condition. It's perfect in every way. And they weigh it, and they tell you what the value is. But after the coin has been in circulations and people using it and going from hand to hand to hand, it loses some of its value. Why? Because it loses the content, whether it's gold or silver. Question, why has the circulated and not in mint condition, coin loses its value very simply because it no longer has as much gold as it was when it was initially came into the use. And here comes my biggest fear for this generation, that our focus on one aspect of worship, mainly singing and music, lessons from the value and the worth of what Jesus means to us. Why? Because if praise and worship is only relegated to emotional experience, if praise and worship is relegated only to a certain genre of music, if praise and worship is relegated to mere words, empty words, if praise and worship is relegated to just getting on an emotional high on a church on Sunday, then we have diminished the worth and the value of our praising of God. 
And that is why in the book of Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 15, through Him, talking about Jesus, through Him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. What is that sacrifice? Singing and jumping up and down? That's not much of a sacrifice. If it does anything, it helps us kind of get some hipped-up emotions out. (laughs) Sacrifice was extremely important to a Jewish believer in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. It was God's provision for them to be forgiven and be cleansed from sin in the Old Testament. And as you know, just about every believer in the early church, the first church, just about every believer with a handful of exceptions were all Jewish. The church was made of Jewish believers. And these Jewish Christians understood that Christ on the cross offered the one and only sufficient sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins of everyone who would come to Him. But many of them wondered if God still wanted to receive sacrifices. Remember, they are not used to going to worship empty-handed. They're not used to this. And there were all sorts of offerings. There were just one or two. There was a wave offering. There was sin offering. There was thank offering. There was burn offering. There was guilt offering. And then on top of that, there was a special offering. <laughs> and it wasn't the inferior. It was the best. It's from the top. It's the first fruit. And these Jewish Christians understood that all of these offerings, all of them, have found their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So what do they do now? God no longer requires grain offering or a blood offering of, of animals. He only wants the sacrifice of praise and spiritual worship. He wants worship that is in spirit and truth. And that is why in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, Paul said, believers are to offer their thanksgiving continuously in every situation. But there's more. They knew that this does not mean that they just um, come to God and worshiping in words, empty words. And that is why Paul tells the Corinthians that on the first day of the week when you gather together, because these Jewish believers who stopped worshiping on the Saturday and they began to worship on Sunday, the first day of the week, because that was the day in which the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. So he says to them, on the first day of the week as you gather together to worship, you put aside part of your income as God enabled you to. And that is why the New Testament teaches that praising God in words and deeds are inseparable, that praising God in words and actions are inseparable, that praising God in words and in service are inseparable. Listen to what James said. This is pure, undefiled religion in the sight of our Lord God and Father, to visit the orphans and widows in distress and keep ourselves unstained by the world. There's no secret that the Christian faith is the only faith that is filled with paradoxes. These paradoxes run 100% contrary to the natural mind, 100% in opposite direction to the societal norm. 
the societal norm, the, the natural mindset, if you want to get ahead, well, grab for everything you can get. It doesn't matter how many people you step on to get to where you want to go. You look after number one, right? But the biblical paradox said that you can only be strong by surrendering, that you can only have power by serving, that you only experience joy by mourning over your sin, and you can receive untold blessings by giving. I want you to turn with me, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. I'm going to come to the context in a minute. I'm just going to read the verse. I'm going to come to the context because it's to do with a group of Christians in the city of Macedonia. But here's what the verse said, "'For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, and yet for your sakes He became poor, so that through His poverty you might become rich.'" And that's exactly what Jesus promised. Luke 6, 38, He said, "'Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, uh, pressed down, shaken together, running over, they will pour into your lap.'" Here's the next verse. For by the measure you give, it will be measured back to you in return. What is Jesus saying? Listen carefully. He is saying that giving sacrificially is the secret of activities of God's giving back program. Uh-oh, is Michael preaching prosperity gospel? No, no. This is pure biblical truth, and just because some people might pervert it for their own personal gain, it doesn't make it less truth. And Paul gives us a living example of some people who took God at His Word, who took God's promises at face value, these Macedonians. The Macedonians gave sacrificially. The Macedonians gave joyfully. And yet, they gave not out of abundance, but they gave out of desperate conditions. The Macedonians understood what it means to trust God. They understood what it means to lay up treasures in heaven. The Macedonians understood that there is greater joy in giving than in receiving. The Macedonians understood that their confidence is in the promises of God that He will supply all of their needs. And that caused them to become hilarious givers. The Macedonians refused to allow their circumstances to smother their generosity. And that is why you see them truly being a role model church for worshiping in the New Testament. Question, where did the Macedonians get the idea of generous giving and expressing it as a true worship? Well, that verse, I really read it to you. Let me read it again. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, and yet for your sakes He became poor, so that through Him and through His poverty you might become rich. Though He was rich. What does it mean? What does it mean? He was just a billionaire who gave up his fortune for some good cause? No! He owned everything in the universe. His wealth is measured by His splendor. His wealth is measured by His glory. His wealth was measured by His supernatural power. His wealth was measured in His attributes. His wealth was measured in terms of eternity. 
You often hear me say this, and you're going to hear me until I die, that Jesus is not the best way to God the Father. Jesus is not a great way to God the Father. Jesus is the only way to God the Father. For He has no beginning or end. He is not created. He is the Creator. He appeared in a bodily form, but the Bible said that in Him was the fullness of the Godhead. Jesus is God over all, that He is the Lord of all lords, that He is the God of all gods. He's omnipotent. He is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's El Shaddai. He is yesterday, today, and forever. He is the only object of all true worship. He is the object of all reverence and devotion and worship. He is equal to the Father, and no one can get to the Father except through Him. He and the Father are one. He alone gives us the Holy Spirit. He alone raises us up to eternal life from age to age. He is Jesus. And so the question is, what is this Jesus worth to you? A song and a prayer and goodbye? <laughs> a couple of dollars a week? What's he worth to you? Coming to church late, leaving early, and think you're a great spiritual giant? <laughs> what does it mean to worship him alone? Because Jesus gave up all of his riches so that we may become rich in mercy and in love and in kindness, so that we may become rich in eternal life, so that we may become rich in forgiveness, so that we may become rich in joy and peace, so that we may become rich in glory, and yes, make no mistake about it, so that we may abound in all things, including material things. Through all the decades I've been in ministry, I've seen with those eyes how family members can really get crossed with each other over the inheritance. Few dollars, few dollars. And yet the Bible said that God the Father will allow everyone who loves the Lord Jesus Christ to inherit all things with Jesus. That means we inherit what Jesus inherits. We will be co-heirs with Christ, that we inherit all of Jesus' wealth and splendor and power. I don't know what that means to you. I don't know what that does to you. I know what it does to me. I stopped nickeling and diming God. I give Him my all, and from the top, the first fruit, not the bottom. And the more I know Him, the more I walk with Him, the more I love Him, the more I freely give Him. And I know this is a testimony of many of you listening to me. This is old hat to some of you. But that makes me want to give not just in words, but in action. It makes me want to give Him hilariously. I want to give Him without count. Here's the saddest part for me. is so many people who name the name of Christ and yet they give him the crumbs and the leftover. Let me conclude by looking at 1 Chronicles 29, 14 to 18. David knew in his heart by this point that God said, you have shed too many blood, and therefore you're not going to be the one to build the temple, but your son will. And so what does he do? 
He brings literally all of his net worth, and he places it there. Some people have calculated this, the gold and the silver and all that you read in the passage, in the hundreds of millions of dollars. It could be upward of a billion dollars, but I want you to listen to me very carefully. Are you listening? Say amen. Amen. I want you to hear what I'm going to tell you. Because the amount is not the important thing to God. To God, a sacrificial gift is a gift of any size in which the spirit of sacrifice has been entered into. Did you get that? Here's David, puts everything, and he says, everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. So what is the singer of Israel, the singer of Israel? What is he saying? Here's what he's saying. He said, worshiping the Lord is expressed in the Siamese twins of giving and praising. Worshiping the Lord is manifested when you give with your heart and with your hand. Worshiping the Lord takes place when both word and action, which exactly what Paul is saying in the New Testament. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's a long chapter, 58 verses. I know them. I've studied it many times, and I shared the nuggets of it with people when they lose their loved ones, because in this long chapter, the Apostle Paul spends all this time defending the resurrection, the bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus, and he explained to them that because he rose from the dead, we will rise from the dead also, and he talks about how we're going to rise from the dead and all of this. It's a magnificent, magnificent chapter. And then, as soon as the end of that chapter, in chapter 16, verse 1, he says, now concerning the collection. What's the resurrection got to do with the collection? What is Paul saying? Here's what he's saying. Heaven and giving are interactive. That heaven and giving are interconnected. That heaven and giving are intertwined. Not that we can ever, 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 how many ever's are these? Ever buy our way to heaven. All the money in the world could not have done that. But you cannot be rejoicing about heaven when you have sent precious nothing ahead of you. (laughs) You say, how can you say that, Michael? How can you say that? Well, listen, I don't make up the stuff. I can tell you that. I'm not that smart. But look at the Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6, 7, and 8, in the context of what we're talking about. Paul affirms this biblical principle that was seen throughout the Scripture. He said, whosoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. But listen to the rest of that. God is able to make all grace to abound to you. God will make what? All grace abound to you, so that in all things… He didn't say this thing and this thing and that thing, but not the other. He says all things, when, all the time, having all of your needs met, you will abound in generosity. You'll abound in generosity. Please, don't dismiss what I'm going to say. God's desire, and this is the Word of God, for His children is abundance. God's desire for His children is to abound in all things, all the time. And that is why you're the only one 
who can block that abounding. How? By acknowledging all day long, everything I have comes from God. Everything I have belongs to God. God is the owner of everything. And you can say that until the cows come home, but if you don't give back to the owner, you're not practicing what you believe. When you only intellectually believe that God does multiply the seed to the sower without you actually sowing any seed, at best, that kind of worship is half-hearted. Listen carefully. Neither praise alone nor giving alone is enough to place you in the posture of abounding. The two must go together. Giving and praising acknowledges God's ownership. Giving and praising are the seed of further blessings. Giving and praising feed on each other. Not only that, but the spirit of praise and giving is contagious. It really is. People, when they see you abounding in everything, they're going to say, I want this. How can I get into that relationship? In fact, when David praised God, he's the singer of Israel, when he praised God with his net worth, literally, many people were encouraged to do the same at the time of, of the building of the temple. But here, when the Macedonians gave out of their desperation, the Corinthians began to imitate them. Amen. Shall we pray, Father? I can never, ever, 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 even during eternity when I'm with you face to face, thank you enough for my salvation and the blessings on top of all that. And Father, we as a body praise you, adore you, and worship you with all of our being, with all of our substance, with all of our hearts. And Father, I pray that this worship will come to your nostril in heaven as a sweet-smelling aroma. For I pray this in the mighty, powerful name that's above every name, Jesus. Thanks for joining Dr. Michael Yusuf for his message, The Secret of Blessings, on this episode of Leading the Way. Learn more about the world-impacting ministry of Leading the Way at ltw.org. Or you can always speak with a ministry representative at 1-300-133-589. Once again, 1-300-133-589 and ltw.org. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth around the world. Learn more at ltw.org. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.